Welcome to Still Standing with Valerie Silvera. I help women to overcome obstacles so they can become courageous warriors who live with hope. This is your place for inspiration and empowerment. I hope you will connect with me at ValerieSilvera.com and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any episodes. Hey there, my fellow warriors. Welcome to this episode. Today's the day before Thanksgiving, so you probably would have expected me to talk about being thankful, right? Although I think we should be thankful all year round, not just at Thanksgiving. But even so, nope, I'm not going to talk about that today. Uh, who knows? Maybe I'll weave it in here somewhere. But what I really wanted to talk about was self-reflection. And the reason that I wanted to talk about it today, on this particular day, actually, the truth is, it wasn't planned at all. It was time for me to record this episode for today, the day before Thanksgiving, and it happens to be my mom's 80th birthday. And so I was thinking about, okay, yeah, maybe I'll do something about Thanksgiving. But then I really started to think about my mom and what she's been self-reflecting on lately. And it's kind of interesting. She has been reflecting on so many different things in her life. I just hear her continuously now. I, I don't know if it's just because she's approaching her 80th or it just happens to be where she is in her life, but she's spending a lot of time reflecting. And it, what's interesting is that she's never not really that kind of a person. She's not super introspective. And I mean, who knows what she thinks about, right? I don't know what she's thinking about um, when I'm not around or what she's thinking about even when I am around. But the point is, is that I don't consider her really that kind of a person. But so it's interesting to watch her and have her commenting so much on things. But what's interesting and not surprising is that as she's self-reflecting, it's mostly about her disappointments. It's mostly about the things she's done wrong. She's talking about that quite a bit. So when you do your self-reflecting, do you do the same thing? Do you tend to go back and review all of the mistakes you've made? And, and even if they turned out to really be lessons, you still consider them mistakes? The ways in which you could have, should have done something different? It's almost like we have a ledger. And on one side of the ledger are all of our mistakes and all the things we should have done differently, all the things that we're disappointed about in ourselves, ashamed of, bummed out about. And then the other side really should be filled with all the good. But often we don't even take out the imaginary ledger and use the other side. All we do is beat the heck out of ourselves when we go back and we start to think about things. I, I think this is really common. I have found myself doing this many times and I've got to stop myself from doing it. So if you want to go back and self-reflect, that's okay. It's never a bad thing to go back and go, you know, that was a mistake because that's how you're not going to repeat it when you think about it, when you consider the consequences, when you consider the path. And so that's fine. If you're doing it for those reasons, if you're doing it to gain wisdom, if you're get, doing it to gain knowledge, if you're doing it to consider making different choices, that's a smart thing to do. But if you're just going back, being all bummed out about the past, not such a good idea. 
because I'm going to guess that you're probably not being fair with yourself. So if somebody else were to come along and do that same thing as an outsider, if you knew them well, you'd be able to say, wait a minute, let's fill in the other side of the ledger. But we have a hard time doing it with ourselves. So lately, my mom has said, I don't know how many times, almost every time I talk to her lately, she will say, man, I sure drug you kids through a lot of crap. That's what she says. And, um, and even stronger words, man, I really made bad mistakes. I'm the queen of bad decisions. She's now given herself a title, the queen of bad decisions. That is something we definitely never want to do is to give ourselves a title related to something negative. That is a dangerous, dangerous path to get on, to start identifying with that. Now, obviously, in ways my mom has identified with her herself in that way, probably all along, or she wouldn't have just one day woken up and said, oh, I'm the queen of bad decisions. But to, to claim that and to speak it out loud, I just feel like she's going to go, you know, into her death and move on to heaven with that dragon, dragon along with her. You know, and, and the bottom line is, is what I've been telling her lately is what I'm going to tell you too. When she says that, I'm not going to say, no, you didn't, because that's not true. She did drag us through a lot of crap, a lot of difficult times, a lot of sadness, a lot of chaos. She did. And this is not to bag on my mom at all, because, you know, stay tuned to what I'm going to say, because nobody's perfect, okay? And so here's the first thing about it. And, and maybe you can identify not with her story, but when I start to give you the story and then the other side of it, maybe it'll help you to start doing the same thing. So my mom was a child herself. She had my oldest brother. I, there's actually five of us. So if you ever meet me at an event or anything and you see, you know, there's more than three of them, what's going on here? How did they multiply? It's because when my mom remarried later on, I gained another brother and a sister. But with my mom, when she was that single mom, it was my older brother, Daryl, my younger brother, Brad. And one of them is about a year and a half older than me. And the other is about a year and a half younger. So we're, we're pretty tight together in age. My mom had Daryl when she was 17 and he was born in 1960 at the end of 1960. So imagine when she was pregnant in 1960, all the way through that year, feeling how she must have felt. You did not go back to school in 1960. And my mom got top grades. My mom had scholarship opportunities. So she had to leave school and go back the next year and finish with the baby. Then a year and a half later, I come along. Then a year and a half later, Brad comes along. And so by the time my mom is 20, my mom is 20 when Brad is born in September, she turns 21 in November. So before she turns 21, she's got three kids. And the bottom line is that my biological father was a deadbeat dad. I mean, that's putting it nicely. And so she struggled and they didn't have these mechanisms, you know, to collect child support like they do now. Garnishing wages and stuff. They didn't have that. And so she had to rely on my grandparents and my grandparents were not wealthy people. They, my grandfather earned a modest living and my grandmother didn't work. And so 
you know, they helped whenever they could. My grandmother sewed clothes for me. That's how come I even had anything decent to wear. My grandpa bought us shoes every year before school and a coat. And so thankfully she had that. I don't know if you can relate to any of this, but even if this isn't your story, there's always something you can get out of somebody else's story. The point is, I don't consider that dragging us through a lot of crap. If my mom hadn't made those mistakes, I wouldn't even be here. So I don't consider that. But that setup is telling you that my mother struggled a lot. Imagine how disappointed she was in her life. I know she loved us, but I can only imagine how she felt knowing that she wasn't going to go to college. These dreams of hers were not going to come true. And she was ill-prepared to be a mom in the emotional side of things. She took care of us. She put a roof over our head. God bless her. She put food on the table. But she was ill-prepared emotionally. My mom was depressed a lot, yelling us at us all the time. Just She was unhappy. And uh, she relied on me as a very, very young girl to take care of her in certain ways. And I'm sure she feels badly about that. But it is what it is, okay? You know, so what I've told my mom recently is, Mom, yeah, you drug us through a lot of crap, but we all turned out okay. So, you know what? And, and if we're focused on what she drug us through as children, when we are in our 60s, well, I guess Brad's only 59, 59, 60, 61, Really? That's on us. We can't keep blaming. I'm so tired of hearing about people who are blaming even generations ago when they weren't even around. You know, we've got to stop that blaming. At some point, you have to take responsibility for where you are in life. Yes, I wish my childhood would have been, you know, happy-go-lucky and, and funds were flowing, but that wasn't the way it was. So you take it and you do what you can with it. And that's the other thing I tell her. Okay, so mom, true, you did. We, you know, but look it, we turned out okay, number one. Number two, it's on us if we didn't. And number three, let's start talking about all of the things that you did right. You taught us about honesty, integrity, hard work, cleanliness, getting good grades, being respectful, being polite. That is who we were and how we had to be period. Those are great qualities. I mean, a lot of kids are growing up these days or have grown up without those qualities instilled in them to the degree that they were. And my mom was a very strict disciplinarian and, you know, okay, maybe there were some mistakes there, but I also think that a lot of parents are the opposite now. It's like the kids are running the show and that's not right. So, do you ever feel like that when you go through your reflection and you go, oh, darn, you know, I really wish I would have been a different mom. I wish I would have been a different parent, a different student, a different spouse, a different friend. I wish I would have been a different family member. The bottom line is here you are. But as you're doing that reflection, again, you can change. That's the cool thing. You can say, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change. And the good news, my friend, most people are, what have you done for me lately kind of people. So, you know, you start changing and they'll quickly forget. Well, they should. How things were in the past. We can't go back and change the past. But I understand. I understand what my mom's going through because she is also a very generous person. 
And that really runs through my bloodline uh, on her side. You know, my, I have great aunts that were just so generous and giving. And, and so my mom has that quality to her. My mom would give you the shirt off her back when we were very poor. That is a wonderful thing to learn, to be, to be generous and selfless in that way. She has a lot of fears, and unfortunately, she instilled a lot of those fears on us. But again, we had to decide if we were going to continue to be fearful people or change. That's on us. So part of her generosity is that she took in one of my biological father's sisters and her daughter to live with us. And the cool thing was that my aunt could look after us while my mom was working at the meatpacking plant at night. That's tough. Imagine three little kids, you're working at night. And I remember being drugged, you know, drug home at three o'clock in the morning or whatever time she got us from the next door neighbors for a period of time. In the middle of the night, pouring down rain, freezing cold. And we, she had to take us one by one over to the house, you know, asleep, half asleep. And so this was a good situation for her. But the problem was that this aunt had a very abusive husband. They were separated, I think. I don't know if they were divorced or what, but they weren't together, but... So my mom's at work and I remember instances where he would come to our house, bust the door down and he's beating on my aunt and I'm, we're hiding in the closet and there was a lot of chaos and, and drama and fear. I was scared to death at night. Thought for sure someone was coming to get us. He Once he put sugar in our gas tank so our car broke down and, and I remember hearing that and knowing it, you know, it's unfortunate that my mom let me know that because, you know, she probably shouldn't have because that's something, you know, you don't want your kids to be scared, but I was terrified. This car cost my mom like $50 or something. It was this really bad, you know, cheap car. But now it doesn't even work because he did something mean to us, something, you know, vindictive. So, yeah, that's a lot of crap, mom. Yep, you're right, mom. We can agree on that. You drug us through a lot of crap. But like I said before, the other side of her ledger is good. So many good things. And by the way, she did get remarried when I was... Uh, 12 years old. And my stepdad, if you ever hear me talk about my dad, I'm talking about him. He has since passed away, but he was amazing. He was a hockey coach and my mom, God bless her, put my brothers in hockey, which was very expensive. Thank you, grandpa. And um, so my mom also feels bad, by the way, because that hockey was expensive and it was a time commitment and all that. I got drug around <laughs> to the hockey rink instead of doing gymnastics like I wanted to do because there was no money. And so I know my mom feels badly about that. So it's okay, mom. I probably wasn't going to become Nadia Comaneci or, you know, Olga Corbett. Okay. Those of you who are younger have no idea who I'm talking about, but that's who I watched back in the day. So, I mean, it is what it is, but I know that makes her feel badly too, that I wasn't able to do certain things. Well, you know what? It, that's the, the path we were on. Okay. Some people are born with a silver spoon in their mouth and some are not. Like I like to say, I was born with a plastic spoon in my mouth. And so as you're doing that same kind of reflection, I just want to encourage you to make sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, use it to change. Use it to make better decisions. Use it to alter the course of your life. But don't beat yourself up to the point where you forget to fill in the other side of the ledger. So for my mom, the biggie is this, and neither, I don't actually have never spoken to this about my younger brother. Isn't this crazy? Uh, and my older brother, I talked to him about it a few years ago, one time, and he had no memory of it. 
But my mom took a bottle of pills one night and um, I remember it vividly uh, because she was laying in the hallway, blocking the hallway. And we had, the, you know, the old houses where you come in the front door, you're in the living room and you take a left or a right and you're down a hallway with one bathroom and three bedrooms. And she was kind of laying there blocking the hallway and moaning and groaning. I remember I was so scared. I was awoken by another one of my mom's ex-sister-in-laws. Nobody was living with us at the time. And she was banging on my brother's windows. And, and then all of a sudden, then I, I, my memory is foggy, of course. I was only about seven. And, but I do remember that after that, we were staying at the neighbor's. And my mom came home from the hospital. And they said she had the flu. And I was told to go home and get some things out of the house because we were going to have to stay with them for a week. So I went home and, you know, you didn't lock your doors back then. And I went home and got my stuff and I went in the bathroom to get my toothbrush. And I remember seeing the pill bottle sitting there and it was all broken up and somebody had sort of cleaned it up. I, I can still picture it to this day. And I knew at seven years old, I knew what had happened. And I never said a word to anybody for about 20 years. And at one point I did tell my mom I knew, and I don't remember why I didn't ever want her to feel bad, but she was shocked that I, that I knew that. So I, I wonder if that is playing into it. That's a big one. Imagine that is a big one to think, how could I have done that to my children? Uh, and by the way, my mom was not much of a drinker. She was not some pill popper. Uh, she wasn't. So obviously that was a cry for help, but that is, you know, how sad and lonely and depressed she had become. And you know what? I also told her, I said, you know what, mom, we can get to that point, but there's always worse choices we can make. You know, you could have decided that's it. I can't do it with these three kids. This is too much. I don't, I never went to college. You know, I don't have enough money. My ex-husband won't pay child support. And you could have said done and put us in the system. She could have done that. So when you're doing your self-reflecting, like I told my mom, don't do that to yourself. Accept what has happened. And if some of your choices involve your children, for instance, like my mom, you know what? Don't take all that on yourself. I don't blame her. I don't even blame the missing biological father. I mean, I, I got ripped off in the dad department in, in that way, but it is what it is. Okay. At some point we have to step up and say, I'm going to make the best I can of my life situation. And even more than that, we learn the most from our struggles. We learn the most from what we go through. We learn the most from those hard times. It, you know, the good times don't build our character quite in the same way that the difficult times do. And if you've been through a lot, like I feel like I've been through a lot, you know, if it builds character, I said, man, I should become a Disney character. I've got a lot of character built here. But that's also an opportunity for every one of us. But the problem is you're never going to use the opportunity if you keep filling up the one side of the ledger with all of your mistakes, and all the disappointments and all the, the anger, at, at, whether it's at yourself or someone else, all the ways in which life coulda, shoulda, woulda. You've heard me talk about coulda, shoulda, woulda. If you've read my book, Still Standing After All the Tears, or I think in Still Standing too, or followed me in any way, you probably have heard me talk about coulda, woulda, and shoulda. Those are three people. You know, they're imaginary. But those are the three you need to stay away from. Kick them to the curb. There's nothing you can do about the past except for learn from it. Gain wisdom. 
and figure out how you can use everything that has transpired so far to change your life, to put you on a different course, a better course, and importantly, to continue creating the legacy that you want to leave behind. Have the courage to do this. Have the courage to stop beating the crap out of yourself like my mom's been doing. Fine, self-reflect, but then let that you-know-what go. It's not serving anybody. For my mom to come and, and continually tell me all this and feel bad about it, what? how does that serve me? Not even in the slightest. So if that happened to you, something like that, let that person off the hook. Let your mom off the hook. Let your dad off the hook. My dad doesn't deserve to be let off the hook, but I've forgiven him anyway. Use that F word. Forgive everybody. And that includes the big one, forgiving yourself, which I find is often the most difficult thing for people is to forgive themselves. But, you know, let's, let's not have this fake ledger, this out of balance I have a financial background. So, you know, accounting is all about debits and credits and balance and left and right and everything. Balance your ledger. Find the good. Find the good in yourself and have the courage to admit it to yourself. Have the courage to have some confidence about it. Let go of all the other stuff. Yes, self-reflect. That's okay. Reflect all you want. But don't have one side of the sheet, whether it's actual paper or it's in your brain, so focused on all of the negativity, all the disappointments, all the ways in which you've done wrong, that you forget to reflect on what has been good. Dig down deep. Okay, this isn't some BS where I'm trying to tell you to you know forget mistakes and pretend that you, everything was perfect. No, go ahead and self-reflect. Like I said, probably five or six times already. But I find that when we do this, we tend to stay in the negative. We tend to focus on what we consider mistakes. And by the way, here's you know what I'll kind of leave you with. My mom was doing the best she knew how. And you probably were too. So it is what it is. Let it go. Time is ticking away. You are in this phase of your life. Every, no matter how old you are, who you are, where you are, what you've been through, you're in the phase of building a legacy. We all are. You're creating a legacy and you're leaving pieces of you behind, little deposits of you in the world. You can't afford to be self-flogging. You can't afford to be focused on all what you consider your mistakes and all the disappointments and all the ways in which life hasn't gone your way, join the crowd. My life is nothing like I thought it would be, but dang it, I am going to make the very best of it and leave the best possible legacy I can. It is not going to be perfect. It's going to be messy and it is going to be filled with mistakes even tomorrow, maybe before I finish today, but I'm going to keep doing my best. You keep doing your best too. Okay, until next time, remember wherever you are, whatever you're going through, you are not alone. We are in this thing called life together and I am standing right there with you. Thanks for listening. I will see you next time at Still Standing with Valerie Silvera. In the meantime, connect with me at ValerieSilvera.com.